2: This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Megigoria.
3: Who's more thoughtful? One who prays or one who doesn't? Who has concerns the most? Those who pray or those who don't? You might say, well, those who don't pray have a lot of concerns. Yes, they have anxiety. But they don't have the brotherly concern for the world so much as someone who would pray. Do you believe through prayer that you can see many things are falling apart as opposed to those who don't pray? I think both sides of the spectrum on that can see many things are falling apart. But is that accurate? Because if we pray, do we believe that? That we can say in regards to the world, everything is falling apart. Over Praying Father Lady, do we go to her September 2nd, 2011 message where she says, Everything is falling apart. Wow. That's a statement. That's a statement of a judgment against everything that's happening right now in the world. Not many things are falling apart. Everything is falling apart. And it does take prayer to accept and believe that because people say, well, there's a lot of good things. No, our lady said, everything is falling apart. And she preceded those words with this everything around you. Is passing and everything is falling apart. What is not going to fall apart? What are the things that you can see that you pray about that you can say, this is not going to fall apart? Our Lady tells us. She doesn't just leave us with the negative of the judgment against the world as it stands now that has forgotten and abandoned God. And therefore, things cannot be sustained without him. And therefore, they fall apart, all of it, everywhere, all the divorce from God and religion. The repudiation of religion has taken place. The church, I just read something about the church is going into three different divisions right now. I know things inside the church that are very unsettling. Things that can't be spoken about, but exist and is there from here to Rome. Everything is falling apart. So what will not fall apart? Everything around you is passing and everything is falling apart. Only the glory of God remains. When Maria was here in 1988, Ali said from the bedroom, pray for my intentions. I will be glorified through you. Only the glory of God remains. God's glory, God's grace is descended upon earth. She's the only thing we got that's going to hold things together that's underneath her mantle. How do you do that? when she said the the millennium message, now when Satan's unchained, she gave a solution what to do about that, that everything's going to be attacked, everything's going to fall apart at that moment, or a progression to this moment now of trial. And she says, now when Satan is unchained, consecrate yourself to me and my son. That's your only protection. That's your only grace. That's the glory of God that remains underneath her mantle. Sorely it continues on that. Only the glory of God remains, therefore renounce everything. There's the word again, everything three times in a sentence and a half. Therefore renounce everything that distances you from the Lord. Adore him alone because he is the only true God. Not any other gods, not the money gods, not what the other people are doing, not people trying to do killing and murdering all the Christians. There's only one. Only one thing. And that's covered in our read today.
4: This is written by a Dale Hurd from CBN News. The Islamic State has a plan to conquer Rome. Yes, it might sound crazy, but ISIS believes the conquest of Rome is central to its mission. They believe it is necessary to fulfill what Islam teaches was the prophecy of Muhammad and to prepare the return of the Muslim Messiah, the Mahdi. Isis thinks that Rome is one of its primary goals and is in its timetable, Robert Spencer, author of The Complete Infidel's Guide to Isis, said. It was a timetable where, in the ten years, by the year 2025, it hopes to bring about Armageddon, the final struggle between good and evil, or between the Muslims and the non-Muslims, he explained. And that one of the chiefs' stepping stones to that Armageddon battle is the conquest of Rome, which they think they're going to be able to do with the next five years by 2020. Two cities, one mission. Muslim scholars said Muhammad prophesied that the two great Roman cities would be conquered. Constantinople and Rome. Constantinople is now Istanbul, a Muslim city. Rome remains to be conquered. Once Rome is conquered, in this view, within the next five years, then Israel will follow shortly after. They also believe that during this time period, they're also going to conquer Saudi Arabia and Iran, Spencer said. Now before you laugh, consider that phase one of the Islamic State's plan to take Rome may already be underway. "'flooding Europe with ISIS fighters under the cover of the current refugee crisis. "'They're not talking about doing it by conventional armies. "'They're talking about doing it by overwhelming these lands with sympathizers from within "'and an influx of people from outside,' Spencer said. "'And that's something we see happening right now in Europe. "'And so it's not that far outside of the realm of possibility.' that they could at least make these attempts, he continued. The Islamic State reveals part of its plan in its publication, Black Flags from Rome. It will use sleeper cells and expects to get help from Muslims serving in European armies and from non-Muslim sympathizers. It also wants to fire missiles into Italy that it has captured on the battlefield. The concern should be commensurate to the reality of the threat, he said. The Islamic threat does not pose the kind of threat today. My main concern is the lone wolf terrorist who plots a terror outrage against a school, against a supermarket, against a shopping mall, against an airport. And it certainly is hard to see how ISIS could conquer Rome, a city of 3 million people, and a nation of 60 million people but it is not hard to see ISIS attempting it. The conquest of Rome may have been a primary goal since the beginning of the Islamic State. They think that the conquest of Rome will be the complete sign of Islam's superiority over Christianity and the defeat of Christianity, Spencer said. They also see the fall of Rome as the four last things timeline that will culminate in a battle against the infidel armies near Dabig, Syria, their version of Armageddon, according to Spencer. And they think that once this battle takes place in Dabig, this final battle, which they see coming 10 years from now, 2025, then the Muslims will battle the non Muslims in this town in northern Syria, Spencer said. And then Jesus, the Muslim prophet, and Mahdi will return to the earth, and they will together conquer and Islamize the world, he said. If this plan for Rome succeeds, ISIS says it will throw abominables from the top of the leaning tower of Pisa. But the main event as they see it will be the beheading of the Pope in St. Peter Square, broadcast and live-streamed to a horrified international audience. Spencer said, a member of ISIS recently said, Once we take Rome, we are going to carry out mass beheadings in St. Peter's Square. And so this is the plan, to convert St. Peter's Square into a huge site of executions to people judged to be enemies of Allah, chief among them the Pope, in order to cow and frighten the rest of the world into submitting to their rule, Spencer said. It's a plan that, for now, has little chance of success. But in his new book, The ISIS Apocalypse, author and expert William McCants says ISIS has recently taken a longer-term view of the conquest of Rome and the return of the Mahdi and is willing to wait in order to build up its forces. ISIS is now next door to Italy in North Africa. More importantly, Islamic State fighters are reportedly already inside Italy, some posing as refugees, going about their lives, waiting for the day when the Battle of Rome begins.
3: Does that sound alarming? It doesn't so much sound alarming unless you know what our lady says, that everything is falling apart. Because that gives and lends truth to what was just read. Of course, they can say, well, it's hard to imagine with 60 million people around Rome that you're going to be able to conquer that. It's not if you realize what our A's messages are saying. They do descend to the repudiation of religion, which much of Italy, I've got family there. They think the Pope said it was just to make money. This is back before John Paul. We was there in the 70s, 72. They quit going to church. They're cultural Catholics, and yeah, there's devotion, they love Our Lady, but still they think things in the wrong way. Some of it may be best in being legitimate. But the repudiation of religion gives light to sin for it to prevail, and that's when even a great people, when a great number of people can be conquered. So I agree with what this man's writing and saying except for the what they might say, well, it's hard to be able to see this. Everything starts with a plan. And what's not factored into this is you only need 5% of the people to do it. Everybody else will follow. So even if there's good Muslims there who don't intend to take over, who intend not to be part of that, will fall in line because that's the way it works. It's worked that way throughout history. And so we have a circumstance in the world today that you need to be reflecting on where in the world is a place that is safe. Do you see now why Israel is hated so much? Because it's a protector of truth, not a defender. Truth doesn't need defending, but a protector of truth of God, of his land. And yes, Christianity was birthed there. So it's a target, and it's hated, just like Rome was hated, for what it represents. And the church throughout history has been purified when it need purification. Not because it was holy and great and doing what it's supposed to do. Those things come when it's not. Yes, persecution comes, and that's what breeds out and bleeds out. Breed and bleed out holiness is the martyrs when they were forced to stand up for their God. And they would leave the Colosseum seeing these Christians martyred for a simple denial of just saying a few words, we deny Christ. They knew they had the means to deny Christ and save their life and still profess and go to underground masses or whatever they were doing at that moment. But they wouldn't even deny that, just like at Oregon. Are you a Christian? When they said yes, meet your God in one second, boom, you're dead. Can you imagine the ones that were shot in the leg that were Christians because they didn't stand for Christianity that they go to church and people know them going to church that they didn't stand up? This is called apostate. Yes, it takes heroic virtue to do that but you may be put in that position to profess the Christ. Are you going to live? Because I imagine some of those people who were shot in the leg probably were Christians. At least one or two maybe. So they'll have to go to church with that bullet wound once they heal from it, knowing they didn't stand up and give the life. Yes, they can repent for being a prostate. And you can have a lot of passion and take a lot of strength. But it's admirable to stand up for God. And that's what the glory is. Only the glory of God remains. These people who just died just a week ago or more, have the glory of God remaining after them. And that's what converts Muslims, because Muslims who convert then in turn are by other Muslims, who many of them may be through their blood, their seeds of the martyrs, convert others. Why do we have to go through this? Because when the church gets weak, when it gets sick, these things must happen.
4: This is an article written by Lee Marianne Cleet. Twelve Christians have been brutally executed by the Islamic State, including the 12-year-old son of a Syrian ministry team leader who had planted nine churches because they refused to renounce the name of Jesus Christ and embrace Islam. The martyrs were faithful to the very end. Right before one woman was beheaded by the terror group, she appeared to be smiling slightly as she said, Jesus. According to Christian Aid Mission, a humanitarian group which assists indigenous Christian workers in their native countries, the horrific murders took place on August 28th in an unnamed village outside Aleppo, Syria. In front of the team leader and relatives in the crowd, Islamic extremists cut off the fingertips of the boy and severely beat him telling his father that they would stop the torture only if he, the father, returned to Islam. Christian aid revealed, according to a report from Morning Star News, when the team leader refused, relatives says the ISIS militants also tortured and beat him and the two other ministry workers. The three men and the boy then met their deaths in crucifixion. They were killed for refusing to return to Islam after embracing Christianity, as were the other eight aid workers, including two women, according to the Christian aid. The eight were taken to a separate site in the village and asked if they would return to Islam. However, after they refused to renounce Christ, the women, ages 29 and 33, were assaulted before the crowd summoned to watch, and then all eight were beheaded. They prayed to Christ as they knelt before the Islamic State militants, according to the ministry leader, Christian Aid Assists, who spoke with relatives and villagers while visiting the site. The villagers said some were praying in the name of Jesus, others said some were praying the Lord's Prayer, and others said some of them lifted their heads to commend their spirits to Jesus, the ministry director told Christian Aid. One of the women looked up and seemed to be almost smiling as she said Jesus. In a manner reflective of Christ's crucifixion, the bodies of those killed were then hung on crosses for display. The twelve martyrs are among thousands of Christians who have been ransomed, tortured, beheaded, and killed over the past year by the Islamic State, a hardline Muslim group determined to wipe Christianity off the Middle Eastern map. The jihad group has also destroyed countless time-honored Christian monasteries, manuscripts, and holy sites in an attempt to eradicate the faith. In Syria alone, the Christian population has plunged by nearly two-thirds since the country's civil war started in 2011. In Iraq, the Christian population is teetering on extinction dwindling from around 1.5 million in 2003 to well below 200,000 now. It's like going back 1,000 years, seeing the barbarity that Christians are having to live under. I think we are dealing with a group which makes Nazism pale in comparison, and I think they have lost all respect for human life. Patrick Suadio, founder of Barnabas Funds, a charity that seeks to help Syrian Christians, told the Daily Express. Crucifying these people is sending a message, and they are using forms of killing which they believe have been sanctioned by Sharia law, he added. For them, what they are doing is perfectly normal, and they don't see a problem with it. It is that religious justification which is so appalling. In defense of Christians, a persecution watchdog group earlier this month lobbied on Capitol Hill for lawmakers to pass a resolution characterizing ISIS targeting of the Christian minority as genocide.
3: Remember, these people were Muslims. They were martyred. Who turned Christian. So it does breed that. But what's going to stop this? There's one place in the world, one country in the world, is a blockade for this. It's the United States of America. And it's Our Lady, the Virgin Mary, who said in the field here in Alabama, for this country, the former make prayer groups to which they should pray for their healing and the healing of this nation to draw closer to God and to me. We've got a solution. We can form that, and we spoke about George Washington's vision he had back when he was alive, that the third peril after the Civil War and the Revolutionary War would be something that would be clashing of swords all across the nation, but in the end, the Republic would win. We're seeing things in real time, biblically, that's written down even 2,000 years ago, coming to fruition. We're here. We're at that moment. And we have the heavenly being saying, literally, everything is passing. So what should we be doing? Our Lady's given even new efficacy. The October 2nd message we just received, our Lady said something that was really incredible. I am watching over you. And I am with you. We've heard that before. But she have not heard what she says after that. Whenever... You think of me. All you have to do is think of her lady and she's literally with you and she watches over you. And so you say, what about these Christians that are martyred? Their martyrism is affected by the presence of Jesus. One smiled. What was she seeing? What strength did she get? Because the scripture says, don't worry about what you're say. Nobody will harm you. Even if they kill you. And so this is the attitude we need to possess. But also we need to realize we live in this world and what we're making of it and what's going to be. Because it's not the end of the world. It's the end of the world as it stands now. We're coming into a new way to live, a new physical changes. Everything upon the earth is going to change. And so that's what we talk about midgenomics. To make your positions, whether it be your wealth, whether it be your decisions the way you live, where you live, I talked to a lady the other day that's bought six acres. She feels to get away from what she's in in a subdivision. People realize they need to change the circumstances. We realize that our money's going away, it's passing. The system doesn't work. It cannot work. And you need to make radical decisions at this moment. To go to what's intrinsic value. We we designed the maracas metal medical around for that purpose. That you have silver. Some people put in gold. Silver's gonna be the means of exchange when our exchange, the dollar falls apart. How do we go from what we've been talking about to this? Because you need to reorder your life to what will not be passing, to those things that can sustain you. Not to save yourself, because even the Scripture talks about civil can rot. It's to get you to a position of a way of life where you're closer to God, where you depend upon Him on the rain, where you're getting the food from your ground to your mouth as quick as you can. And live that way, not to save yourself, but to go back to an agrarian way of life. It teaches children everything. Our has given us qualifications to be her apostle. There are four things that she's given us. We've talked about this in the past. Did you know the Internet company, Google, has four things they require to be their apostle? Did you know that they get 120,000 applications per month and they only accept 100 to hire? Those qualifications a these qualifications to be an apostle. In some ways, these four things which Google requires makes them a great company, whether you agree with what they do or not. But it's the four things that qualify them to be in the hundred who are hired. The first thing is general intelligence. Our Lady has told us, my son is a light of salvation and common sense. General intelligence is common sense. The second thing Google requires is leadership. Our lead is calling us to be an apostle. What do apostles do? They lead, yes through the witness, but they still have to have qualities of leadership. The third thing Google requires is really amazing to me, is humility. You wouldn't think a company like that would require that. Why do they require that? It's because they want that employee to have the ability to reverse himself and admit that he was wrong in his decision when a better decision is offered. Doesn't our lady do the same thing? Does not she require humility? Why? Because humility brings God to our heart. It helps us to see truth. In fact, actually, humility is truth. So what Google requires for the third thing is what LA requires for us in our spiritual life, to be here an apostle. And what would you think the fourth thing would be that Google requires? Could you guess it? They require grit. Do you think Our Lady of Medjugorje doesn't do the same thing? To be an apostle, to be somebody that could be martyred, requires grit. And so it is, Our Lady wants us to make a decision to four things she's calling us to be an applicant, to be her apostles, to make her workforce great and powerful, just like Google does. If the world can do it, why can't we do it? And we can do it with Our Lady, and that's what she wants to show us. To do what? Google changed the world. It's helped make an impact on the whole world. You think Our Lady doesn't want the same thing? What they do secularly, she wants spiritually. But she does and parallels what Jesus has said in the scriptures. Look at the world, how they work for what they do. He relays, you imitate that for my kingdom. Those aren't the exact words, but that's what he meant. Our his company or apostles is to change the world, but to be less worldly in the way Google changed the world. So specifically, these four things to be an apostle for lady is one is to strive to pray with the heart. The second thing is to offer all your prayers and sacrifices to Jesus. The third thing is is that you understand that life is but a blink. And the fourth thing is that you yearn for eternal life. It's amazing. How many people will be apostles? There's 120,000 people a month applying for a job at Google. 100 are hired. That's 1.4 million people per year applying to Google to work for this worldwide company impacting the world. That's probably about the same number going to Medjugorje. Out of that 1.4 million for Google, it's only 1,200 people that's hired. How many people go to Medjugorje if it's 1.4 million? that 1,200 of those has the qualities of general intelligence. The second, leadership. How many of those numbers our ladies called there have that? And humility. And on top of that, grit. All those could be matched for what I read a minute ago, what she said qualifies you for an apostle. She's looking for applicants. She's calling people. She wants that, but not everybody's going to make it because they can't or they don't want to or they don't have what is necessary. Out of that 1,200, only 1% make it for the rest of life staying committed as an apostle. That leaves only 12 people. Often people came to Jesus, wanted to follow him. He says, no, go back home and preach me. Jesus were looking for people who were pretty tough. The apostles, when you read about them, these were guys, were fishermen. They were hardworking people. They were tough. They were in the storms on the sea. They did things nobody else was doing in life. She's looking for some people like that. Not everybody's going to be an apostle, but you're called to it. Everybody's called. That's why she went through a whole vetting in the late 1990s where every anniversary she says, thank you for coming in such large numbers. Next year, the same. I need applicants. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And by doing that, she gave this harvest of people during that period. She started forming us in the apostleship. We may have been with her 10 years before that, but she had her eye on them. And she's willing to wait for them, to gain the cognition, to induct them into full-fledged apostleship. This means as an apostle, you're not to compromise one inch. Why? Because apostles have to have grit. They have to hold their ground. And we have people today that are willing to compromise everything. They do that, and what they think is through compassion. That's two different things. Compromise and compassion is not the same thing. People are blending the two of these. It's not in the Bible. Compromise has no place in the Bible. Compassion does. And if you're compassionate, you'll try to root out sin instead of tolerating it. And this is the problem today. This doesn't make you apostle. We have many people going to Medjugorje tolerating things they should never do instead of rooting it out as sin. This is what you're called to do. And that takes grit. That takes humility to do it with love. And it takes leadership, and it takes a lot of common sense how to approach people. I gave you the list just then, reversed. So it don't matter what order you have to have all these things and these qualities. So the world has these four things to make a company great. Also, we can use these things to be applied to the spiritual life. We need to look physically at the world, how we live, what we do. And metronomics is often about that. Physical changes that you need to make in your environment to make it conducive for you to be an apostle. Change your direction of life. Change your walk. Change your mentality. But also your physical surroundings. Even where you live. How you live. Are you in community? Are you isolated? All these things factor in if you're going to be free to exercise your apostleship With our lady, changes are coming, and you can do nothing about it, or you can make changes in your life in preparation for what's coming and do a lot about it. And so it's these things that we started mentioning ours to show that financial is a great part of what we do. The church is built on it; it can't make it if it's not financially successful. And so these things we have to look at, we have to think about and meditate.
2: And to exchange your money into the Miraculous Metal Medjugorje around, you can get in touch with Frank Williams at Global Silver Investors. The phone number, toll free, 877-936-7686. Again, 877-936-7686. The email address is globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. That's Investors at yahoo.com and the website is globalsilverinvestors.com
3: With what's happening in the stock markets and everything on these financial times right now people are losing their retirement you need to transfer it in something intrinsically valuable that can not go away even if it drops you still have value I just returned from Medjugorje a few days ago and I was talking about the Muslims and what's happening in Europe and of course Bosnia-Herzegovina where Medjugorje is located is where say, everybody's located, and that's 80% Muslims. And so I started asking some of the villagers that I've known for years, what do you think about this? What do you think about all the refugees coming into Europe, and Italy, and Greece, and Germany, all these places? I said, what do you think about it if this happens in Medjugorje? Do you believe that? Yes, every one of them agreed something's going to happen. Maybe the seekers will arrest that somehow. We don't know. But ask them, what are you going to do? They said, well, we're just going to do nothing. There's things you can do now in this life. Yes, prayer, preparation, holiness. But there's a lot to be decided for because our lady wants that because she said, be ready. And that's what I leave you with. Are you getting ready? Spiritually, physically, on every level. And you can't save yourself. It's only through the Son who has come for the people of the entire world, Our Lady says, to know the lonely true God and His love. That's Jesus Christ. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
2: This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Megagoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.